Hello and welcome into this edition of the Jairo Munoz Power Hour. No, wait. Oh, I'm sorry. This is B-Shape Daily. Welcome in. Brendan Schaefer joining you here for a Saturday episode. As I mentioned throughout the course of this podcast, when the season gets going and the Cardinals have news that's relevant to talk about right away, that's what I'm going to do. And, and sometimes I'll be doing podcasts on the weekend when things happen that are worth talking about. And today, that certainly is the case as Gerald Munoz no longer a member of the St. Louis Cardinals. The news dropping abruptly on Saturday morning as the Cardinals send out a press release announcing some pretty common and standard stuff. You know, minor league players that you didn't expect to make the roster anyway. They're starting to filter those guys to the minor league camp, optioning a few players to the minors. Pretty typical stuff. And then at the bottom, oh, by the way, Jairo Munoz has been granted his unconditional release as he he's he's no longer a member of the team. Like, it's crazy. But when you kind of boil it down and look at some of the things that have happened, not so crazy from the Cardinals' perspective. Jairo Munoz apparently just up and left camp. Last Saturday, he was playing in a game, injured his hamstring, running to first base. That was February 29th. After the game, Asked Mike Schilt about it, and he said Jarl Munoz was going to miss some time. They didn't know exactly how much time, but with hamstring injuries, the nature of those beasts, it's it's usually going to be several weeks, if not months, before a full recovery and getting back into action from something like that. But the Cardinals didn't yet know what the severity of the injury would be because they hadn't done MRIs, I don't believe. They hadn't done some of the tests and imaging that they needed to do before they would have a little bit more of a concrete timeline on Gyro's injury. And so even as far as last week, like I left Jupiter Wednesday, and even Wednesday morning, I believe, was when Schultz said the plan was for Munoz to get all that kind of done on Thursday, the next day, if I'm not mistaken. Sometime during the week, he was supposed to get that imaging, and and they were going to kind of be able to figure out next steps for him. But that never happened because Jairo Munoz was gone. He flew back home to the Dominican Republic, according to reports out of Jupiter this morning. Uh, the, the the reporters there, the media, talked with John Mozeliak, talked with Mike Schilt, it, it appears, about the situation with Jairo Munoz. And the Cardinals decided to release him because they didn't know what his status was. Jairo Munoz didn't tell them that he was leaving. They had to find out from a, a teammate that, I, I don't know who the, the teammate was, but... I believe it was Derek Gould that reported that, that a teammate was talking with Gyro, and that's how the team found out. They didn't even know he was gone. And so I guess they, at that point, would then talk with his agent and try to get things figured out. And evidently the Cardinals are getting this impression that Munoz was unsatisfied with his playing time last year, you know, was, was unhappy with the way things were going, and saw the writing on the wall, in the words of John Mozeliak, describing Munoz's situation. He apparently saw the writing on the wall that 2020 wasn't going to feature a lot of playing time for him. I don't know whether or not that would have played out to be the case. With the injury situation, it certainly would have started out that way. But Munoz would have been on the injured list. You know, they wouldn't have had to option him to Memphis. That could could have gotten uncomfortable for a guy who, you know, I don't want to oversell his, you know, status with the Cardinals. I also don't want to undersell it. I want to try to be fair here. Munoz was a relatively unproven player. 
Like, you consider what he did last year. He wasn't really good in any element of the game. Didn't do much defensively that, that stood out. Offensively, he was not good. Didn't draw walks, so a two sixty seven batting average didn't mean very much because his on-base was below three hundred. That's not going to fly. He slugged three fifty five. His numbers were worse than Harrison Bader's, and everybody, you know, was talking about Harrison Bader needing to be replaced. Harrison Bader at least played gold glove caliber defense So in, in center field. And so, while Munoz had been a contributor in 2018, and so I don't, like I said, I don't want to undersell that. In 2018, he had good numbers. He had a 109 OPS plus. He played multiple positions. He played them decently enough. He had a little pop. He didn't strike out a ton relative to to what guys do nowadays in, in Major League Baseball. He's like 20, 21 percent strikeout rate, and he drew enough walks. He was he was a a, a balanced, valuable player. That at the time it was it seemed obvious to say, you know, this is going to be a guy that will be a value to the Cardinals roster off their bench for year, several years to come because you don't have to pay him anything and he could be a, you know, one point five to two win player off the bench for you. And then last year he just didn't play very well and so the Cardinals bring in Brad Miller this spring, and you know that that serves to me that catches my eye immediately as obvious competition. You can do the roster math and say, yes, there's an extra spot, 26 man, but you know, just kind of looking positionally at the makeup of a major league bench and what the Cardinals could conceivably look to have, I don't know that there's necessarily room for Munoz if everybody's healthy. But that's talking to start the year if everybody's healthy. Neither of those things are very relevant because who cares? I mean, we talk a lot, a lot about the opening day roster, but at the end of the day, who really cares? You can still get 300 plate appearances without being on the opening day roster. Like, Tommy Edmond is a great example. If you earn your opportunities, they will arrive eventually. I think a lot of players in Cardinals camp have got that drilled into their heads because they understand that it takes more than 26 guys to, to win a championship throughout the course of a season. There are more than 26 guys that are going to contribute to this 2020 Cardinals team. Jairo Munoz would have been one of those players. But he, it's like he didn't have the patience to, to wait for that opportunity to arise. And there was not even any guarantee that he was, you know, not going to get that opportunity when healthy. The Cardinals said all the right things. Whether or not, you know, that would have eventually been, been shown to have been a little bit of lip service if Munoz was healthy and, and then had his spring and wouldn't have made the roster, then that would have been another story. But it's like anticipating that that might have been the case. Jairo Munoz decided to give up. On, on his on his career with the Cardinals. Maybe more of an MLB career out there for him. I don't know how many teams are going to be interested in taking on kind of the what I have to deem maturity problems that I would associate with, with the decisions that Jairo Munoz made this week. Um, and, you know, th- there's always the possibility that there's more going on that than we understand, and, and, and guys have personal things going on, and I understand that. But it's, it's not hard, though, to... to have a meeting with the team, talk to somebody in, in a position of power, and let them know what's going on. So I don't think that there's anything that could come out for Munoz that would excuse him not, at the very least, sending a text, making a phone call, right, to Mike Schilt, to to whomever needed to know, to whomever his coaches are maybe that he feels close to on the team. you got to let somebody know, and you you got you got to have a conversation. It's it's not it's not a free for all down at spring training. Just because you're hurt, you don't just get to to kind of do whatever you want and decide you're just going to go home. And so the Cardinals obviously did not take very well to that, and 
understandably so. And then when they maybe get a little bit more of the picture from his agent in the stories that I'm reading and, and you know, the, the tweets I'm seeing from down in, um, down in Florida, they get a, an understanding of, oh, he was maybe a little disgruntled with the way things were going last year. Well, I mean, let's look at the numbers. If you want to look at the stats, that's I think that's the, you know, the Cardinals embrace competition. Mike Schultz talks about it all the freaking time. We're about competition. We're about the greater good. Those are the kinds of players the Cardinals want to have around. Gerald Munoz, to, to fly home without telling anybody, that's not really a greater good, you know, kind of adherence to to the concept. It's it's not the way the Cardinals typically do things. And so it's not a surprise to me that John Moselak is like, look, this isn't worth it. Like, we don't we don't know what his status is, and, you know, we're, we're comfortable cutting ties based on what he's hearing, right? Because he's probably hearing from the agent that's saying, you know, relaying how Munoz is feeling. I get it. I understand that the Cardinals didn't see the, the and I and I got a, a message already, a Twitter Twitter tweet. Somebody asked, well, couldn't they have traded him for a draft pick? I mean, in theory, well, first of all, you can't trade draft picks in baseball. It's not it's not the NFL, it's not the NHL, it's not the NBA where they're dealing in draft picks all the time. In baseball, you can't do that with the exception being like competitive balance picks, but it's just not really something that's as commonly done. Not not every team even has those to trade. So it doesn't happen as often in baseball that you're trading in draft picks. But the theory, could you trade him for something? Could you get anybody for him? Well, think about this. He's a guy that everybody in baseball is going to know. He, you know, he flew home. He's gone. Like, he's not actually currently in camp. That's kind of a red flag. He's also hurt with a hamstring injury. So, you know, yeah, that'll heal in time. But the timing of, yeah, let's pull off a trade for Jairo Munoz right now. I don't think the teams would have been lining up at the door to make that happen. So, uh, the Cardinals just made the decision to to go ahead and cut ties, and I get it. Based on what we know so far, I I definitely understand. Uh, and looking, you know, I, I don't want to diminish Munoz too much as a player because I think it's possible that skill set wise, he could still have a role in Major League Baseball, and he could thrive if another team would pick him up. I think he's going to have to work through some some maturity situations and some understanding of kind of your knowing your place a little bit. Like, yeah, I think if he does those things, he could have some success. And I don't mean knowing your place like you're a young player and so you need to learn. That's not really a thing in baseball as much as it used to be. You know, there are young players contributing all across the league nowadays, and it's a positive for the game. But when you consider Munoz had one solid season, had one decidedly bad season, he was a below average player last year. He was a negative, he was a wins below replacement. He was below replacement level last season by the narrowest of margins, at least according to baseball reference. I don't know about fan graphs, but I don't see any reason they would have been any more favorable toward him for the 653 OPS that he had last year with, you know, mediocre defense wherever they put him. He was fine, but, he, you know, put him out in the outfield too often. He's not an outfielder, and so he's a he's an okay infielder. But just his numbers were, you know, they, they were not very productive last year. It's just the fact of the matter. And so you look at those two seasons, add them up, and say – I demand more playing time. I deserve more playing time. You know, it just—it's just not gonna—it's just not gonna sit well for obvious reasons. And so, okay, what do you do if you want more playing time? You—you you probably, especially as a young player, like as a veteran, you know, a guy, a veteran says, "I want more playing time." And you know, maybe he get, demands a trade and gets out of his situation because the team he's with, you know, he's been around the block, and and this just isn't, you know, it's just not working for him. Okay, I, I, situation case by case basis. I can I can live with that maybe, but when it comes to someone in General Munoz's position, it's not like he had all this leverage. It's not like he was this major league mainstay that 
you know, could dictate that I, I need, I deserve more playing time. You know, there's not a, a very vast body of work there to suggest that he would be deserving of, of that. So what do you do? You, you put in the extra work, right? And again, he's under no obligation to have done this, but I'm going to talk about it because it did strike me as a little bit odd when I got to spring training and you go through the, the, the first you know week or so before the actual full squad workouts begin. February 17th was the first full squad workout. It was a Monday. And players had to report by the Sunday, but they didn't really even have to show up to the facility or do anything because that Sunday was kind of the last off day for position players before everything got underway. And, and I think it would have been their last off day until yesterday, Friday, when uh, Mike Schilt got married. The team didn't have a game. So that was like the, the first off day since the 16th of February. So understandable that guys wouldn't have been there that day on that Sunday. But then the 17th workout start. Okay, that was the first day I saw Jairo Munoz at spring training. Maybe I had missed him, but I don't think so. I think he reported toward the end, and I got there the 12th. Colton Wong and Paul DeYoung, by the way, got there weeks before that. Working with Jose Okendo, practicing you know, ground balls, doing what it takes to be, in my opinion, the best defensive duo up the middle, double play combo that Major League Baseball has to offer as of right now. Colton Wong won the gold glove. Paul DeYoung was a finalist and very well may win one this year. He looks so good in spring. But the point I'm trying to illustrate here is for the players that behave like starters and are starters on the Cardinals, you see the benchmark that they set. You see the work that they put in. And, you know, if you want to be that, maybe rise to that level. Again, I don't know what Jairo Munoz had going on in the month of February, but I do know that the Cardinals that were there you, you see the habits and the work that they put in, and it's no wonder they're the starters. It's no wonder that they're the guys that are planning to lead this team and try to win a division in 2020. Colton Wong, Paul DeYoung, great examples. Paul Goldsmith, Matt Carpenter. Like, there were a lot of position players that had that were there early. Gerald Munoz wasn't one of them, okay? So that's, that's just the fact of the matter. I, I'm not... You know, ripping a guy, everybody's willing, welcome to do whatever it is that they want to do. And, you know, other guys that didn't show up super early, having good springs, that's perfectly fine. But I do, and, and I should mention, Munoz was having a good spring too, before he got hurt. But it's just kind of a habits thing that, all right, you look at, here's the guys that are putting in the work. They're already the starters, and they're acting like they not only want to continue to be, but they want to continue to get better, and they're putting themselves in that environment. And so, is it, a, is it a deal where Jairo Munoz, who was close with Marcelo Ozuna, or Ozuna leaves, and Munoz, you know, is, you know, you can see maybe behind the scenes offseason talking to Marcel, you know, yeah, the Cardinals aren't aren't going after me. They're not they're not offering me anything. Cardinals didn't offer Marcelo Ozuna one time after the, the qualifying. After the qualifying offer was turned down, the Cardinals had no intent to sign Ozuna. None, zero, it wasn't going to happen, no matter how much we thought, or maybe this, or hemming and hauling. No, it wasn't going to happen. And so maybe, you know, Jairo Munoz, maybe there's some some bitterness there about, yeah, his best friend on the team is gone and, you know, this and that. And now, they're, now they sign a guy to, yeah, Brad Miller. Who's this Brad Miller? You know, maybe he replaces me or he plays the same positions as I do. And so, like, you could see where it could, you could, you could feed some negative energy in the offseason, especially when you're not there. And so I think that's kind of an underrated element of, of baseball that, communication and, and having these relationships with teammates and being able to have a relationship with, you know, your, your manager and your front office. Not to say that, you know, I think Mike Schilt does an 
excellent job with that. And so it's just strange. And, I, and Mike Schultz used the word befuddling I saw this morning. I, yeah, he's befuddled because I think Mike Schultz is a guy that does everything in his power to make sure his players, you know, are on the same page and comfortable with with the plan of attack that, that for you know for their inclusion for their for their own benefit of here's what what we want out of you here's here's what we expect and here's the way we think we can use you and I think for Jairo Munoz that that was probably being articulated but somewhere the wires got crossed on Jairo's end because he you know was not feeling he was feeling disgruntled and like he was not you know going to receive the kind of role that that he felt he was owed and and I just think that's a weird way to go about it when you when you look at the, the dude's numbers from last year. Didn't have a good season, plain and simple. So it's definitely an unfortunate thing that Munoz no longer with the Cardinals. Like, it takes a lot of guys to contribute. As much as I talked last year in frustrating terms about him getting time in the outfield over guys like Lane Thomas, like, I find that very often I'm on the same page with the decisions that Mike Schultz makes. That was a situation where I just didn't get it. I did not understand why Munoz ever saw an, even an inning in the outfield because the way he was performing offensively didn't make sense. And, you know, you, you, it's not a guy that you're angling to find a, a spot for in the lineup. Now, I will say it makes sense if, if Jarrell Munoz was in Mike Schultz's ear all the time about, hey, playing time, I need playing time. And, you know, you're the manager, and so you make those decisions. But I could understand that Schultz saying, okay, let's see if you can earn a little bit more by I'll, I'll stick you in the outfield when there's a, an opportunity to do so. Like, I don't agree with it, but I can understand how it would have happened that way. And, and even still, it doesn't work out, and, and Munoz ends up feeling like his only option is to leave camp this year because he's he sees the writing on the wall for not getting a lot of playing time. That's just not a not a real professional way to go about that situation. And so, uh, you know, Munoz no longer with the team. What it means is that the Cardinals will probably have uh, openings, right? They'll, they, rather than somebody goes down and Jairo Munoz – slots in in an obvious fashion it means that Edmundo Sosa is going to have a real chance it means that Max Schrock if he continues to perform offensively is going to have a real chance to contribute to the Cardinals I think you see both these guys at at times in 2020 now uh, with no Jairo Munoz in the picture Uh, you know Brad Miller already had some back stiffness that he's been dealing with is it possible that he starts the year on the injured list I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility I wouldn't think and so uh, you know you could you could see that some spots on this bench are beginning to open up. We talked about yesterday. Dylan Carlson definitely plays a, a part in this, in in what it could look like for his potential inclusion on that roster. But you know, he's he's an outfielder, and, and the Cardinals are going to have to make sure they have their depth that they feel comfortable with off the bench on the infield. And so, it's just going to have to be a decision that they, you know, come to terms with on how what their comfort level is with maybe just having a Tommy Edmond as the only infield versatile capable guy off that bench I don't know that they're going to be okay with that because I think you're going to see Edmund in the starting lineup pretty frequently and so just to have another player I think they would they would appreciate being able to have a guy in late inning situations you know defensive situations I think Edmundo Sosa would be a great fit for that um, because if if stuff happens you're able to to sub in a guy who defensively is going to be able to handle himself. I think it's important to have a guy be able to do that at third base. I'm a little more familiar with what Sosa's been able to do at second and short. He looks really good. Uh, Max Schrock has gotten a little bit of time at third this spring, and so that could be an opportunity. Uh, Because if you have, basically it comes down to, if you have Tommy Edmond in left field in a game, or right field, or center field, or wherever, he's already playing. And Matt Carpenter, the third baseman, you want to take him out for defense. You could sub in Edmond from the outfield into third, and then have... 
Carlson or O'Neal or Lane Thomas go into the outfield position. That's probably the way they'll do things, especially if they don't have a Soso or a Schrock, somebody like that coming off the bench. A Brad Miller, I should mention Brad Miller is still, you know, we don't know exactly what his status is going to be, but um, if he's if he's fine, I think that'll be a, an obvious spot for Miller to play some third base. Uh, he, he's mostly done a lot of second base, but he's done some third as well. Uh, started out as a shortstop, so he's played all around. But, you know, that's kind of the way I'm looking at things. Like, they might want to have somebody that could, if, if Edmonds needed in the outfield and you, you can't bring in anybody to replace him out there, then having another infielder to play third, to get Carpenter out of games, I think would be something the Cardinals would would probably like to have. So there's going to be guys in that camp that are given the opportunity to to pick up the slack left by Jairo Munoz. Would have been the case anyway with him being injured, but now with him completely out of the picture, that definitely presents an opening. As far as the long-term, you know, 2020 helicopter outlook, 10,000 feet viewpoint of this roster, no Munoz definitely means more chances for others. So that's kind of the breakdown of the, the Jairo Munoz saga on Saturday. Uh, certainly something that we'll keep an eye on throughout the podcast the rest of the week if more news comes to light about that topic. Um, other news from the Cardinals front office Saturday, the media got a chance to talk with Mosellock, presumably because of this Munoz thing, but also he was asked about Andrew Miller, and Mosellock says, would agree that he is doubtful for opening day. So not a good situation with Andrew Miller. I did the podcast yesterday, if you missed it, where at the midway point through spring trading, I went through the Cardinals opening day 26-man roster and gave my predictions. Andrew Miller was not on that list as of yesterday. So uh, I just kind of had that feeling that it wasn't going to trend in the right direction. Mosellac basically confirming that is the case today. So that opens up opportunities potentially. Um, depending, It's a Brett Cecil opportunity if he looks good. Um, you know, if he's able to, to continue to stay healthy and gets guys out throughout the rest of spring, he's going to have that chance. Uh, maybe Henesis Cabrera, if not, because the Cardinals might want more lefties in that bullpen, could apply to Austin Gomber. Those are those are guys that could benefit uh, from potentially having Cecil go the wrong direction. Uh, Tyler Webb is going to be locked into that bullpen from the left side for sure, as long as he stays healthy. Uh, but those are some of the names that could potentially benefit from Andrew Miller. But if Cecil pans out and Webb looks good and the Cardinals decide for Gomber and Cabrera, it's more important to have them in a starting role, whether it's in St. Louis or Memphis. Right now, I would think Memphis would be the case for both those guys. Gomber has a chance to be in the rotation in St. Louis. I'd love to see how he continues to pitch because I think he's deserving of the opportunity. It's just going to be a matter of finding the spot for him. But if that ends up being the case and Miller's not there, Cecil is good to go, Webb is good to go, and you feel like maybe that's all the lefties you need, look out for Cody Whitley and Junior Fernandez. Both those guys are pitching like they deserve spots on the on the opening day bullpen. Don't know if they're going to receive those opportunities, but uh, I, you know they should, they, they've got nothing left to prove in, in the minors from what I can tell from what they're doing uh, this season, especially Cody Whitley. Get that guy up here. Junior Fernandez, he looks good this spring. He's got nasty stuff. Uh, you know, he pitched decently for the Cardinals when he came up last year. Don't remember the exact numbers, but he held his own. And I think he's got a bright future potentially as a, a you know, a relief pitcher of the late inning leverage closer type mold. That could be the future for Junior Fernandez. Because he's got options, I don't know if you, you're going to find room for all these guys with options on your major league bullpen. Gant and Webb are going to be there. They both do not have options remaining, so that kind of limits you a little bit. I think both those guys will contribute, though, especially Webb looks good. We'll see how Gant is able to to bounce back from kind of the second-half struggles that he had last season. But uh, Cody Whitley, to me, with this Andrew Miller thing, 
if the if the Cardinals are comfortable with the lefties they have in house, Whitley should be the guy that benefits. I'm going to keep banging that drum as as he continues to pitch well. If he doesn't pitch well, then that could change. But with what he's shown so far this spring, wipeout stuff, what he did, the body of work rising through the ranks last season in the minors, started at Palm Beach, was promoted to Springfield, was promoted to Memphis, and he soared at every level. He was fantastic. So I think across all of that, look out for those guys, Whitley and Fernandez, to potentially benefit from the Andrew Miller situation. Hopefully the Andrew Miller thing does not develop into a Brett Cecil circa 2019 kind of situation where Mike Sheldon said it's kind of similar what the, they, you know, Cecil had experienced and what Andrew Miller is experiencing now. They still do not have a, a terminology for what's going on with Miller, but it's not a positive. It's not going in a good direction. Doubtful for opening day. I would say at this point, doubtful until further notice. Like, just don't expect to get contributions from him until they're able to figure this out, get some sort of diagnosis on the on the situation, and and be able to to approach it from there. But there are pitchers. The Cardinals have depth. And there are guys that that will be waiting for the opportunity, uh, you know, to pounce on it whenever it does arrive. So, keeping that in mind, those are kind of the injury updates for the Cardinals on Saturday. I'm recording this uh, really before the Cardinals game is too far underway. It looks like right now they're in the top of the fourth inning as I record this with the Cardinals leading four to one. We'll have more, you know, maybe in an episode tomorrow, perhaps about anything relevant that comes out of this game for the Cardinals as they are facing the Astros at Roger Dean Stadium, Gant. John Gant on the hill so far through four innings has given up just one hit, two walks, and no runs. So that's that's pretty solid for him as he is somebody still competing as a starter for the Cardinals. Whether or not he's given that opportunity, you know, probably not going to be the case. But today, so far against an Astros lineup that, that looks to be featuring most of its starters, you've got Redick, Altuve, uh, prospect Kyle Tucker, Yuri Gurriel, Correa, Alemis Diaz in there. So you've got a, a decent number of starters, and he's been able to hold that lineup down today so far. So we'll wait and see what what becomes of John Gant. We know he'll be on the roster because of the the fact that he doesn't have any options remaining, but it might just be in another bullpen role like a year ago. Still competing as a starter for now. We'll have more news from the Cardinals as the rest of spring training develops. As news breaks, we'll obviously cover it as we did here today with the Jairo Munoz situation. I appreciate you guys for sticking with me for B-Shape Daily today. You know the Jairo Munoz news happens we talk about it. That's kind of the way this is going to go throughout the season. If you're listening to B-Shape Daily, that's what you're going to get. Instant analysis and reaction to relevant happenings with the St. Louis Cardinals throughout the 2020 season and hopefully beyond. We'll keep this sucker going for the long term. What do you say? Uh, Appreciate you guys for joining me once again. Stick with the podcast on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts. You can find it there. And make sure to hit me up if you haven't already at for 12 on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the Jairo Munoz situation. And you can also find me at Facebook.com slash for 12 That's all for this episode. Once again, thanks for being with me. This has been B-Shape Daily. We will talk to you either tomorrow or Monday.